Turn with me over to Romans chapter 4. I want to show you a handhold. There's a principle here. I'm just making a compound word here. Law keeping. Law are commands of God. He's right, he says right here in Romans, did I tell you all 4.13? Well, I was thinking that, so I'm saying it out loud now, 4.13. It's not through law. It's not the law. He's not talking about the law of Moses. Did, Moses, did Abraham have the law of Moses? No. We misunderstand the book of Romans because we think every time he says the law, he's talking specifically about something God gave the Jewish nation under Moses. A whole lot of the time, he's talking about the principle of law, commands. We, the Bible's full of commands. God gave commands. I have people think I'm against commands. I'm not against commands or God's law. God's law is true. Where, where in the book did God say something that's not true? It's all true. It's not just the fact of it. It is our, our attitude toward it. It was not through law that Abraham received the promise that he would be heir of the world. It's not the law of Moses. The definite article is not even in there with law in the original. It's not the capital L law. There's all, it's all capitals in the Greek, by the way. It's just law. God gave Abraham what? A promise. Was it a list of commandments? Commandments are not promises. Commandments are just law. Absolute. Here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. We, we, what I'm trying to do here is give us a handhold. Okay? We'll go over to 1 John chapter 5, just a second. 1 John chapter 5. Here's what I'm trying to do. Trying to keep this simple. Trying to make this law keeping. While you're turning over to 1 John 5. Three, law-keeping. Are we law-abiding citizens in the kingdom? Do we like God's commands? Yeah. Are we for them? Yes. Are they truthful? Yes. The dynamic. Now, what are we trying to do in regard to Abraham? Keep every law that Abraham kept? Are we trying to walk? I'm doing my fingers like when I was a little kid. We used to do this meant walking. We're trying to walk in the footsteps of our forefather Abraham. Okay? Law keeping. What John tell us over here? First John 5, 5, 3. Read that for us, brother. You got it? Are you looking at it? Who's looking at it? This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. 
for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. That was three and four. Okay, good. This is love for God to obey his commands. And it was and four was part of my point because that's what I wanted. So his commands are not burdensome. Are they or not? Are they? What, Matt, what, what's the difference in them being burdensome or not? Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a direct imperative command. The context is in view of God's mercy, but Romans chapter 12. Make your mind up about holidays and keep your mouth shut. Direct command. Love one another, for love is the fulfillment of law. Owe no man any debt outside of love. The continuing debt to love one another. All these things are direct commands he's going to give later on in this letter. Quit judging your brother or sister. You're not the judge of somebody else's servant. Direct imperative command. Well, it's what are you going to do when God gives a command? What are you going to do with it? Because the first three chapters of Romans, God gave people stuff, and you know what they did? They took it away from him. They took it out of the context of he gave it to to educate them, to help them, to actually bring them to himself. People were not listening to the nature that God put within them. People were not listening to the nature that was around them. Because Jesus said, he's either right or he's wrong. And Jesus said, anyone who listens to the Father and learns from him, does what? Comes to me. If you'll listen to creation that God has made and gave evident around us, you'll figure out there's a God. I want to be in pursuit with him. Why? Evidently, he's above me. Evidently, everything's all right with him. Evidently, he's the source. So how do we view, when God gives us commands, how do we view them? They're not a burden. If you're outside the gospel, they are a burden. If you're not thinking in terms of the gospel, they are a burden. How is it that the gospel is God's power to save because the gospel, brothers and sisters, the message of the gospel changes commands. It takes law and it no longer develops in this law keeping. What do you mean? I mean, if I take God's law and I'm just talking about what God says absolutely do and don't do, no matter if it came from Moses or from the apostle Paul. If I take God's law and I see it from the perspective of this is what God said, I'm going to do it. 
or I have done it. And since I've done it, God now owes me. Mm -mm. God gave me these commands in my accomplishment, my understanding, and my accomplishment of every single command God gave me. Every time I know something good to do, I do it. Is that how you're coming to God? Because that's anti-gospel. That just became a burden. Commands are God are not burdensome. Yeah, I do every good thing you know to do. Is that burdensome? If you're standing on your own. The gospel brings us from ourself to God. It brings us from our own purpose and our own way and our own family into God's family, God's purpose and God's way. Did God not do the same thing with Abraham? He called Abram. He called him out of his home, out of his place, out of his family, out of his journey, out of his life, out of his way of doing things, out of his own purpose. He called him out of that and into God's way to be God's man to be about God's purpose. The gospel is not just facts. It's not just the fact Jesus died, Jesus buried, Jesus was raised again. Are those facts of the gospel? Yeah, mark it down. If you don't believe Jesus came, you're wrong and you don't have the gospel. If you don't believe he died, you're wrong and you don't have the gospel. If you don't believe he was buried, you're wrong and you don't have the gospel. If you don't believe God raised him from the dead to immortality on a third day, you're wrong and you don't have the gospel. And whatever you got, there ain't any salvation in it. But it's not just, the gospel's not just an accumulation of facts. It is a call. God didn't just give Abram a, a list of facts. I'm God, you're not going to have a lot of kids. Did he tell him those things? Yeah. But they came to him not as a legal system where Abraham could depend on himself, where Abraham could be frustrated by himself. I mean, by his performance, where Abraham could become arrogant because of his performance. He didn't call him to, to a legal system of commands where Abram could be condemned because of his performance. That would have been burdensome and a big waste of time. God didn't do that. It's not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. Thank God we're singing about it. Why? Because that's the only way righteousness comes is by faith. It comes by promise, not by law keeping. It comes by what? Listening and choosing. Going God's way. Going to listen to God's call. He's calling me to himself. I'm sidetracking myself. I'm sorry. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, did Abraham have an inheritance? Mm -hmm. What do you mean inheritance? What is an inheritance? How many of y'all ever had jobs where somebody wrote you a paycheck? Is that an inheritance? 
It had anything to do with inheritance, does it? What does it have to do with? I did work, created the debt, pay me. That's not this system. Law keeping would be that. I want what I deserve. Good. Put yourself under law and get ready for it. It won't be justification. It won't be righteousness. It'll be condemnation and separation from God eternally. That's what it'll be. You don't want that. So this is not the system God's given us. He's given us, he's given us commands. And he said, this is love for God to obey his commands. Okay, obey God's commands. That's what faith does. Do we then by this faith nullify the law? Not at all. Rather, we do what? 331. We uphold the law. We keep the commands of God. We do. The question is, the dynamic is, from what perspective, according to what? What is it? How do we keep his commands? By faith in him. By faith in his promise. By faith in his power. Not as though we're trying to accomplish something. We're not trying to accomplish anything. We're just trying to hold on to the truth and let it set us free. Did Jesus say that one time? And you will know the, if you're truly my disciple, hold on to the truth. The truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you're truly my disciple. He didn't say, if you perfectly perform every command I gave, that's not holding to his teaching. That would promote arrogance, not humility. That's not dynamic at all. In fact, it's anti-dynamic. That's of the flesh, not of the spirit. We're not even into chapter eight yet. And we went over this, but I, I tried to do too much at one time. I'm sorry. I'm trying to go back here and give you a foothold, a handhold in 413 to 15. For if those who live by law keeping... This is my word. This word's not in scripture. I'm just telling you, I got to put it in there for it to make sense. It means something. What does he mean when he says law? God wrote some stuff down. That's not the point. He's building a contrast here. His contrast, the contrast is what? Law versus faith. He would say in Galatians, law is not of faith. What's he talking about? Law keeping. He just said right here in these couple of verses in Romans 4, if, if all you had to do was give man commands and then he could fix his relationship with God, then the promise is absolutely worthless and faith has absolutely no value. You think the gospel calls us to that? Mm-mm. People hear this teaching. They've done this for 2,000 years. It's not anything new. They hear this teaching and go, well, commands don't matter. What God said doesn't make it. You're not hearing what he said. 
If I had a whistle, I'd blow it. I'll do this. Time out. We're not listening. If I'm stuck here, then I'm going to be frustrated at some point with me because guess who's the object of my faith? Guess who I'm really depending on? Me and my performance. You couldn't make breakfast on my performance. I'll start doing too many things at one time and burn the hash browns or the biscuits. I almost always burn biscuits. I set timers. Why? Because I start doing eight other things. I don't want anything dependent on me. I do love cooked breakfast. I like cook y'all breakfast sometimes. But I don't want salvation dependent on me. You want yours dependent on you? Then if in your mind, according to the gospel, according to the word of God, you got the gospel. If you've obeyed the gospel, then you've got God's promise. But we deal with this in our mind every day. And that's why this book is written, and that's why I keep bringing this up. I'm trying to give us a handhold here of where are we and where are we going. And to any degree we can get a hold of this, we're going to go farther, we're going to go faster in God's purpose than you ever will misinterpreting God's purpose and making it out to be something that it's not. God doesn't go, okay, you failed, start over. The gospel's not a start over. We failed and starting the race again doesn't help anything. This is new. This is newness of life. It's not an improved version. It is newness of life. We are walking in a, in a life that is new in time and new in kind. We now walk according to what? The commands of God. They guide us. They call us. They're not a contest by which we pat ourselves on the back. They are a, a call of God. And by the way, what did he say? What did he say in John? We we're studying John. If you love me, you'll what? Obey my commands. So we just pull that out of context so we can have a snife little pretext and go, well, there you are. If you'd love God enough, you'd obey his commands. Your problem is you broke his commands, but you don't love him enough. Well, you're sunk. What do you say in 1 John 5? 3? This is love for God to obey his commands. They said our commands are not burdensome. Whose love would you rather rely on, God's or yours? I'll choose God's. Because his love's eternal and his love's powerful. And since I'm bound up as an emotional human being, I leave stuff out of my love every now and then. I'm sorry. But we're not depending on it. I forget. I fail. God doesn't forget or fail. In fact, I read that somewhere. Was that Guns and Ammo or 1 Corinthians 13? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Love never. It's agape he's talking about. It's the love of God he's talking about. I wish the gospel would call us. He did, brothers and sisters. 
The gospel called us to Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, guess who came to abide within us? Guess who? God poured out himself into our hearts. And hope does not disappoint us, but that's 5-5, just a few verses later. Because God has poured out his love. His love, the love in which we can believe, the love on which we can rely, 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and we rely, we put our full weight down on the love God has for us. Not our love for him, his love for us. His love for us now abides in our hearts. So guess how I see the commands of God? They're not a burden, brothers and sisters, they're a handhold. They're a foothold. And I can grab a hold of those things and they give me leverage in my journey. They give me support and comfort in my journey. They give me assistance. They teach me again about what God is affording me and God is calling me to. I got sidetracked preaching a little bit. I wrote this down. I'm going to read it. Obedience becomes, in the gospel, here's how it's the power of God. Obedience becomes a functional part of God's purpose in our walk of faith. Not just no longer commands a burden. No, they have a functional purpose. And as these things he's commanded me to do, each of these that I pursue, they fasten me to him. There's things, Bill, there's things about Penny. You've known Penny a long time. Were y'all school sweethearts? Different schools, but at that time. Okay, Bill, he was in love with you a long time before you loved with him. But There's things about Penny you would never have known if you just remained friends. Mm -mm. When your commitment and your devotion and your relationship that God gave you, God made the two to become one. Now, that's a process on planet Earth, but God did that. And there are things you do with and for each other going forward in marriage. They're handholds for your relationship. That's now what the commandments of God have brought us to. Faith brings us to God's promise. Abraham was fully persuaded God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham wasn't persuaded He wasn't fully persuaded that he had always done everything God ever insinuated that he'd do. He was fully persuaded God had power to keep his promises. And he said this was written not just for Abraham, but for us. For us whom God has called, has justified. He was delivered over death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. Why? His resurrection is the basis of our faith and brothers and sisters, it is by faith in his act, in his work, in his love, in his promise that God affords us righteousness. Don't think faith is without obedience. 
The only obedience God's ever called anybody to is that which comes by faith. When you have, when you have obedience absent of faith, you now have sin. He'll say that in chapter 14, verse 23. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. He's talking about eating barbecue sandwiches. Come on. So, I hope that's a practical little piece of Romans 4 that helps you understand. He's not just articulating Jewish history here. He pulled up Abraham and he pulled up David on purpose. Number one, the people within the first century church in Rome that have a problem with justification by faith or have a problem with Gentiles are just as righteous before God as Jews are, or the Jews. And so he pulls up two Jews of examples that didn't rely on their law keeping. He couldn't have been talking about Abraham keeping the law of Moses because he lived 430 years before that. He couldn't have been talking about David keeping the law of Moses because he kept breaking it. And yet David was in love with God and the man after his own heart. Why? Because when God told him something, he believed it. He settled on it. He made a foothold and a handhold out of it. And he went forward in God's purpose in that. Commands bring us to God through his son when they are obeyed with faith. Faith in God's promise, God's power, and God's purpose. Brothers and sisters, this is what makes the gospel. One aspect of what makes the gospel powerful. Powerful. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised again. Is that powerful? It had been powerful for millennia before you obeyed it. It only became powerful to you when it was presented to you as here's what you need. Here's God's rescue. Here's God's redemption. Here's God's call. Here's God's provision. Do you want you some of it? Do you want to go God's way, not your way? And when those facts that had been here for 2,000 years, substantiated and proven and in reality, when those came to your mind as a call, when you said, yes, I do, when you trusted the truth about Jesus Christ, if he's the son of God, then his death was on the cross. If he's the son of God, then his death on the cross meant something. If he's the son of God, then death could not hold him and he defeated the grave and God raised him from the dead to immortality and he sits and rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. If he's the son of God, every single bit of that is true. And every single bit of that is dynamic. On any Tuesday when we're being tempted, on any Saturday when we're being tempted, on any Monday when we feel lost, on any Friday and Wednesday, which are usually days we feel weak and inadequate. I just made that up. I'm just trying to get you to think. We are weak and inadequate. What's that got to do with anything other than glorify God? Because you don't know anybody else that can take what is, what is despised, what is lowly, what is rejected, and what is, what is thought little of. 
And then he goes, watch this. Watch this. I'll bless the whole world through them. Believe it or not, what Paul wrote to church in Rome in chapter 1 is true. Your faith is being reported all over the world. I don't think I have personal friends in every nation on the planet. I got friends all over. Guess who I tell them about? You guys. You guys. We're not in this by ourselves. This is God's deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. I pray, Father, as the book of Romans is before us, and it's here whether we pay any attention to it or not, that we are thankful, Father, that you put it before us and that you help us and that you want us to pay attention to it because it holds, Father, the secrets and the key and the dynamic power of redemption, of justification, of the ability of grace to reign in our lives, to reign through righteousness, for us to become slaves, Father, of holiness, servants of redemption, Now, that power lies in the gospel, Father, and you are emphatically explaining it to us. And I want us, Father, all of us, me especially, to get a hold of it again. Please, God, bless our time in the study of this book. Bless it in any way that will promote your purpose in our lives, that will strengthen and clarify the call that you continually offer us every day in Jesus. Help it to strengthen our faith and strengthen our mind, Father, till on a regular basis it it becomes our instinct to say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you for your people here who love you and long for you and want to know, Father, the power of your promise in our lives every day. We do know that, Father. Help us to see it. Help us to be thankful for it. Help us to go forward in it. Help us, Father, to rely on you and your love for us. Thank you, Father, for pouring that love into our hearts. And now your commands are not burdensome. They are a way of life. We love you, Father, and ask you to bless and guide and correct us even in any way that will bring you glory for the promise-keeping and powerful God you are. It is through him who bled for us, died for us, and intercedes in heaven itself on our behalf right now. We thank you for hearing our prayer because you said you did. 
And we praise you for being a God who's answered it already according to your will. For you promised, Father, you did that too. Amen. Lord can't love you more than he does. Jesus Christ can't be more powerful than he is. And in his righteousness, you can't be more blessed than we are. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours. I thought we needed some more. Mm, That's a lot. That's a lot. Invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ is extended to you. If you need the family's help tonight, please let us know how we can help while we stand and while we sing.